How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. How's the weather out in Arizona? Um, it is nice. So I live in a very hilly area. It's kind of kicking my ass this morning, but I think I'm going to stop. Well, tell us point. about yourself. Yeah. Um, so my name's Angel. I am an actor. I write sometimes when I feel like it. Um, you think? Yeah, so I, sure. I think I've seen some of your writing perform. Uh, where do you usually uh, find a place to perform writing, your writing? I'm sorry, can you ask that again? Ethan, I didn't hear you. Yeah, uh, where have you performed your writings? I think that's because I've seen one. I think downtown Phoenix. Oh, that's right. So um, I think the last time that I had shown something that I had written. So we were in playwriting class together. So that's how that's how you and I met, I believe. Yeah. Um, and so in that class, I don't know if you remember, but I had written, I think it was before our last one one act piece. Um, and I had written something about, based on a, a real person named Felipe Esparza. And he was, he was a, a serial killer uh, who had roamed parts of of uh mexico and then the disputed territories of like new mexico and arizona um and at the time i was just like super in a horror so i thought that i wanted to write a horror play about uh centering on, on a mexican character so i chose felipe esparza and sort of his beginnings and the sort of um superstitions that he saw he he purportedly saw an image of the virgin mary telling him to take revenge for his people so he went on an axe murdering spree of u.s soldiers um and the last time that that was actually uh, that sat for a couple of years before um i met the people of new carpet theater collective um and during one of our showcases we were able to to put that on for, for people during one of our showcases of our works. So what is New Carpet Theater Collective? New Carpet Theater Collective is a, we're a group of, um, there's five of us on a part of the group and we just try to produce stuff that's, um, so the way that New Carpet started was we were doing a show for, um, for New Carpet Theater Company. And this is before we even had the idea to sort of branch off and start our own thing. Um, but we were doing a show called 1070. We had done uh, American Pastorella, which was sort of a, a farce over the whole uh, election during Trump's election. Um, and then we did a show called 1070, which was just a, um, a reframing of the story of, of SB 1070 when that first uh, came out and how it affected uh, um, immigrant families. Um, and then so as we were doing the show, a lot of the young people were thinking, you know, this is, this is great. We're glad these stories are being told. But also, we felt like it was, it was really focused on an audience that was uh, majority white and older. And we wanted to do stuff that wasn't necessarily targeted towards that audience. We wanted to be targeted towards uh, a younger audience, um, 
primarily people of color, um, um, people who are queer, people who don't necessarily get stories uh, and get to experience stuff that's targeted um, towards them. And so, so when we started, we just kind of said, okay, well, this is freeway and we get to do um, the stories that we want to to do and, and that's where we that's where we came from i love that so how does that when how does that affect the younger audience with the content that you're producing what what's the impact on your community i don't know yet so we're still very we got people at the park hello um it's still very early to tell i mean i know we always get great feedback and the thing is when you, whenever you start something or you write something, uh, you know, you're not always sure whether people are being completely honest with you or if they're, um, you know, being your friends and just being like really nice to you. Um, so I think when it comes to how does this stuff affect younger people, I don't think we'll be able to tell until maybe we're a few years down the line. Um, but hopefully people see it as, as honest and um, and inspiring. Um, I know that when I was younger, I, I didn't realize the impact the theater had on me until uh, later on in life when I tried my hand at it. Um, so I'm just hoping that it sparks some creativity in people and and, uh, and um, they take it and, and, and run with it. So what do you, so going back to your writing, uh, what do you like to write about? That's good. So I have been writing, but it's, it's mostly been more personal stuff. Um, I so whenever I write, I like to like think about. Uh, so I don't know, Ethan, when, when you write, do you have like your own set of like rules, guidelines, principles that you use when you write? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, so a big thing for me is like I like to think so to make sure that my characters are like distinct. Um, um, so I, I recognize like in some of my favorite shows, uh, each character seems to operate based off of like their own belief system, just like the world around us works. And I think that where a lot of problems in, in writing can happen is when characters are uh, flat or one dimensional, or perhaps the story's great, but the the characters don't necessarily seem to be their own unique individuals. So I'm already a person who likes to figure out how people think, um, what they believe in, um, what do they want. Um, and I think if you establish characters in the beginning who um, are operating in their own worlds and then having those worlds collide and interact with each other, that's where you get some really like interesting um, moments and you get, um, a lot of just honesty in your writing. Um, so I, I like to focus on um, the way people interact in highly stressful situations. Um, I know one piece I'd written before was uh, the world is, is burning. It was, it was inspired by Cormac McCarthy's The Road, um, but uh, it, it was sort of like in the beginning of that process and, and how it affected a family. So. Um, I would say I would, I'd like to write about how very different people interact under highly stressful situations. What do you hope, um, how do you hope that this benefits um, 
you know, or what, how do we benefit from telling these stories in highly stressful situations and characters trying to deal with that? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. So that's the thing is like, whenever I write, I, I try not to focus on like how people, um, because I know a big thing is like, you know, if you have, you need to have like a, um, sometimes you feel like you have to have a message and like, um, maybe you need to, you feel like you need to push along a certain message to, to people. Um, I know that when I watch things like that, I kind of just, um, as, as an audience member, you get to have the ob objectional point of view and, 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 um, you get to judge sometimes whether a character's actions are right or wrong or, uh, or sometimes you place yourself in those moments, you know, how would I react? And, um, I would say maybe one of the benefits is that you get to objectionally go, um, is that right or wrong? And, and where do my beliefs lie? Um, but that's not necessarily the goal. I think it, it just depends on the, on the piece that, that I'm writing. Um, but, uh, consequentially, I, I think it's just, it, that could happen. That's, that could be one of the things that the audience gets from, uh, something like that. I like that. Yeah. And then what does, so what does, you talk a lot about honesty, but what does dishonesty look like to you in a play? Can you repeat that again, please? What does dishonesty look like to you in a play or a, a story? I'd uh, see that one's fun. Um, dishonesty. I mean, um, it depends on the circumstance. Um, but I think that, um, it's fun if you play around, like either, whether you're the actor or the, or the writer, um, when you're thinking about the character is, you know, is this character being, uh, honest? Um, and if they're not, how do you make the audience believe it? So that way the audience gets kind of duped at the same time. Um, and then, you know, eventually people will realize at some point that, uh, oh, this guy's not honest at all. Uh, and then what does that do to them? How do they, uh, it's sort of like in, in, in literature, when you get uh, the unreliable narrator, that was always like, that was a super interesting concept for me to learn when I was uh, in high school. Like I, I just, didn't realize that I was, I was totally believing that everything that every narrator said, and I did not even consider the possibility that narrators themselves can, can lie to us. Um, and, you know, the effects are, are, you know, it depends on the circumstance. It's there, but it's always incredible and it's shocking. And then you kind of have to reread things or maybe rewatch a play um, to understand just how much uh, you were affected by that. So where do you get inspiration? Right. Oh, sorry, what was that? I'm sorry, I was just saying it was bright out here today. I can, that's why I'm <laughs> squinting so much. I, can, I can't see, really. Yeah, that's what I don't miss about Arizona. <laughs> um, so what, where do you get your inspiration? Um, you know, Right now, I feel like I'm having such a difficult time um, focusing uh, and finding inspiration. Um, but I think that's something that's been helping is um, running. Um, so I don't run consistently. I maybe run once or twice a week. And I usually get up and run when I feel like I'm, my brain is very foggy, uh, where I feel like I can't focus on things. And um, So... 
what I started to realize is after a run, no matter how uh, difficult the run was, um, how much I'm out of breath, how much I didn't really run, how much I just actually walked. Um, but when I come back and after going through all that like physical exhaustion, uh, I feel that my head is in a very clear place. Um, and I, I'm learning to not underestimate the, the power of, of physical exercise to also exercise uh, the brain in a positive way. Uh, I know that's something that uh, I think it's something that I know too. I just uh, tend to forget that sometimes up until the point where I'm like, I can't sit on this couch anymore. Uh, I gotta do something productive. Um, and I can't be productive. My brain is foggy. I can't even read anything. My brain is foggy. So uh, that's how I'm like, it's, it's, it's time to go out and, and start to run for my own benefit. Absolutely. Um, we have a question from the audience. Um, if you'd like to answer, can you give an example yeah. of an unreliable narrator? Yeah, I mean, the big one, um, what, the, the first one that I was like, uh, that I didn't realize was um, uh, Franz Kafka's The, the Metamorph Metamorphosis. Um, so in that book, um, I was, I believe, a junior in high school or a senior in high school. Um, and so as we're reading this book, at a certain point, the, the head of the English department, she, she asked, she was like, okay, she's like, do you believe the narrator? And I was like, yes, I believe the narrator. Like, why, why would I not believe the narrator? Um, and she, she asked us, okay, well, pay attention to what the narrator says and then what people say. So. Uh, there's a part where the main character, Gregory Samza, he's talking about how he's a very hard worker and he's always working hard. And, and um, he mentions, you know, being to work on time and things like that. And, and then his boss eventually shows up when he's locked in his room as a bug. Uh, and as his boss is knocking on his door, telling him um, that he missed his shift at work that day, he starts to say how Gregory is a horrible employee, constantly late. Um, and the English teacher posed a question. She was like, okay, so who do you believe? Because there are many there are many instances where the, the narrator in the story is telling us one thing and then his family, uh, coworkers tell us something completely opposite. So is it that they're all horrible human beings, which could very well, very well be, the, be the case uh, in, in Kafka's writing. Um, but it also it could be um, that he's lying. Um, and it could just be based off of his own insecurity. So. That, that's the first one that comes to mind. Also, American Psycho, if you've ever read uh, the Absolutely. book for that, yeah. um, you see there are portions where he describes the way that people are dressed. And then a few pages later on, he'll describe that same person uh, in the same moment, but you know, he'll, he'll mistake a, a Versace tie for a, um, a Ralph Lauren tie. And you start to realize that you can't really trust uh, Patrick Bateman as a narrator. Uh, in that story. So there are just instances like that. So now once you realize the narr narrator is lying to you, it's, it's, you have to determine for yourself, what do you take as, as real? Um, and what do you take as a uh, projection of the, narr the, the narrator onto, onto their reality? Have you ever used one? Have you ever what? Have you ever used an unreliable 
narrator? You know, no, that's what it's, I think I have to, I don't know for what reason writers use the un unreliable, unreliable narrator. Um, I would assume it's for purposes of um, either one showing how, you know, in the case of like uh, American Psycho, um, showing how inauthentic this, the class of, of yuppies were in that time period um, and how superficial everything was. Um, and that works in that instance. Um, I've yet to find an instance where I'm, you know, I think it's, it's, uh, it, it would be important to use somebody who's an unreliable storyteller. Um, but the concept is, is, is super, super interesting. And I hope at some point I realize some, some story where, where I can use that. It just hasn't happened yet. Um, and I, I don't want to use it just for the sake of using it either. Um, right, I want to make sure that that's actually, uh, integral to the whole story. So going back to the carpet, theater, the new carpet theater collective, um, what yeah. are your, what, what's your ultimate goal for the future of the company? Um, at some point, um, I know we've talked about registering for uh, nonprofit status. Um, at some point, I want to be sustainable enough to where it's our primary focus. Um, where we get to really dig our heels in and um, just focus on the, sort, the sorts of stories we want to tell uh, what's going on currently um, uh, and what kind of stuff that we need to tell that we feel people um, would like to hear um, and challenging uh, uh, the things that need to be challenged. So um, my hope for us as just like the group ourselves is to be um, established in a way where we can financially sustain ourselves that way that is our primary focus um, versus right you know right now we all have different jobs we um, we get to Nicarpa stuff uh, um, when we can through a lot of planning um, and it's not always easy um, it's a, a lot of the hurdles that we have to go through are basically uh, in terms of scheduling things because we all have such odd schedules that sometimes things don't always match up and when, and when it does it's it's a blessing we're we're thankful um and we know we have to hold on to it how are you so how do you build an audience because you're a very new uh collective so how where's the audience coming from and how do you keep them coming back and how do you grow that that's so interesting so when we first did our first um performances we did them at the arizona latino arts and cultural center and a lot of people who came were, you know, our friends that we already knew from either school or from uh, the community that we uh, work in. Um, and so a lot of it was that, but then I, I was also finding that we were just getting people who we didn't know. Um, and there've been a few moments or instances where we get messages from people who just say, you know, we really like your work and they, they want to submit stuff to us, um, which was flooring to me. Um, and then just people that we had barely met who, uh, in their eyes, they saw us as like really established, which was again flooring to all of us. We're just like, excuse me, you, is that is that what it looks like? Uh, that's great. We're we're glad it looks like that. Um, it doesn't always feel like that. Um, sometimes we feel like we're a mess. Um, but a lot of it is is we're finding people are, are connecting with us on on social media. That's where they're finding us. Um, but also 
um, one of our members, Ana Flores, has a wide network of people that um, that she knows, and it's a community that she's um, cultivated for a very long time because of the work that she's done since um, since forever. She's a a super wonderful poet, um, uh, and just like incredibly, incredibly authentic in her and her um, storytelling and her writing. And um, um, so she already had a lot of people who were uh, very interested in what she had to say. So, um, but all of us have people who, uh, just like what we brought to the table and, and we kind of all brought our networks in together and um, it's, our, it's our friends, it's family, it's, it's community. It's people that we, um, that we know and love and, and, um, and then the word spreads sometimes. Awesome. And then, so what current issues or um, current events are you looking to talk about and produce plays for? Um, I know something that we've talked about, uh, and, and we're still trying to figure out the best way to do it. Um, I know something is in the works right now, um, is the idea of uh, the border wall as something that needs to be um, deconstructed and not romanticized um, something we've talked about is you know sometimes we feel like the art surrounding uh, the the border between the u.s and mexico is romanticized in a way that uh you know people paint murals on it and um do all sorts of projects in and around the border um and we just kind of feel that we want to sh not turn it into a metaphor for something we we, we want to recognize that this the structure that runs uh, along uh, the border is uh, is an act of violence, and we need to treat it as such. And so, uh, we're figuring we are figuring out a way to um, tackle that in a way that's engaging for people, um, but also in a way that makes sense to them, and in a way that they can recognize that yeah, this is uh, absurd. This whole thing is absurd. Um, so it's not an easy feat but we're hoping to accomplish that um, through a film medium. And no. so that is the film. Um, and that's coming. I don't know when yet, but we're, we're working on it. Very cool. So wait, um, why, why the film medium? Uh, so when, with New Carpet, when we first started, we all thought, um, so we did our first showcases and they were very much, um, you know, traditionally theater so you have a stage and you have an audience and and um the audience comes and watches the performance uh one of the showcases that we had did during a time we were focusing on on prison reform is we wanted people to go through the process of uh what it's like to go through a hearing and, and to go through a whole process where you're being uh, sort of like cattled around a space um but also we wanted people who had an experience where they felt like they, they had some privilege and they just did not experience that whatsoever. So we had, uh, during one of our events, it was sort of a, an immersive event. So from the beginning, we explained the rules to them. Um, and uh, we told the group A, okay, come along with us. And, and we sort of treated them like prisoners without them really, without uh, us acknowledging uh, the term prison or prisoner. Uh, they didn't realize that and towards the end. Um, but they had these guards surrounding them, telling them what to do, where to go, and eventually where to sit. Um, and then the second group, Group B, um, we had as sort of like financiers. But again, we did not tell them. We did not give them that label. All we did 
uh, was treated them with a sort of privilege and, and uh, gave them a tour, so to speak, and um, a lot of uh, propaganda from uh, uh, district attorneys. Um, and then we sat them down in front of Group A. Um, group, um, group A was, was facing away from the stage and, and Group B was facing towards the stage, towards the line of prisoners. And then on the stage, we had uh, a public defender uh, defending um, somebody who had attacked one of the guards, and then the um, district attorney who was prosecuting uh, that person. And we had them sit through the whole process so that way they could feel, the prisoners felt super, super uncomfortable because they couldn't even see what was happening behind them. All they had to stare at these people in front of them in a group B is also feeling sort of uncomfortable because they have to look over this line of, of prisoners who are eventually going to face that same fate that the person on the stand is right now. Um, so when we started to couple, we were just, we, we were talking about, like, we really want to challenge ourselves into new mediums, into ways that are experimental um, and uncomfortable for us. Um, and so with the film medium, um, we have some experience with it, but it's, uh, uh, it's going to be a little weird, weirder than um, just a normal, um, you know, narrative. Um, a straight linear narrative um we are going a completely other route where the narrative is going to be just strange i love that um now before i um we sign off uh how if someone wants to get involved in the new carpet theater uh collective where can they who do they contact where is it located how do how does one get involved in that yeah, so with that, it's a little difficult because, um, you know, we're not necessarily working on And People have asked us before about submitting scripts, and it's just not something that we've worked out, worked out yet. You know, how do we handle uh, work from an outside source, and then how do we um, go along with that? Um, but also, we are still open to collaboration at the same time, so it, it's just a, a weird um line that we're still trying to figure out but if people are interested or, or do have an idea for a way they would like to collaborate with us they can always email the uh the group which is new carpet collective at gmail.com um or send us a dm on instagram at new carpet collective um or facebook messenger as well we all have access to that and so if you do have an idea you would like to collaborate um we're open to it we just don't know uh you know we'll, we'll figure something out if that's something that you would like to do well, Angel, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, have a great day. Thanks, Ethan. You too. Appreciate it. We'll be right back.